I praise you, Lord God, because, Lord, I know, I know, Father God, that it is you that quickens, brings life, and brings hope, and brings change. Only you, Father God, can preach a word. I'm reminded of Peter who preached and 3,000 people got saved in one day. Uh, that's because it had nothing to do with Peter. It had to do with the power. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would fill me this morning with power from on high, that what I preach this morning would be none of me and all of you. I empty myself. I empty myself that your glory might be revealed. Father, use these lips of clay to do what only you can do. Touch the hearts of your people. Speak to them through revelation. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to the gospel of John chapter number four. The gospel of John chapter number four. We'll begin reading verses 1 through 29. The Gospel of John, chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. When you get there, you can say something like, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I praise you. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, say Samaria, which is called Shinjar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. But the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? A Samarian, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. Now, you know, it's a showdown that's about to occur. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Think so. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem, the place where one ought to worship, 
Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know that we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciple came and they marveled that he had talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? We have learned, for those of you who don't know, we are in the middle of a series called Harvest Time. And what we have been really focusing in on is our responsibility and our obligations as Christians to witness and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, after a while, you know, you get saved and you get born into the kingdom. If we're not really careful, we can become inward focused. And when we become inward focused, then what happens is we miss out on the real reason why God left you here in the first place. How do you know that God has left you here with a purpose? Jesus said, that I go to be with the father. And he says, greater works will you do because I am going to my father. So Jesus left us with a responsibility. And we're going to talk about that here this morning. As you are well aware of when you study the scriptures, one of the things that you see is that Jesus, on a regular basis, he was always mentoring and teaching his disciples. He was, he was always sharing with them and, and explaining parables to them and, and teaching them. And, and what he was saying to them was, I want you to follow me. I'm going to teach you how to become fishers of men. Jesus, everything that Jesus did, how I many know he did nothing by accident? Everything Jesus did, there was a divine purpose. And every, every time that he would, he would minister, he would, he would spend time with his disciples, he was laying a foundation for them so that they would know how to carry out then the mission that he gave them. So it is with us. The reason why you read your Bible, and I hope you do, the reason why did you study the scriptures to try to get understanding is not just so that you can do the obligatory thing and say, well, I just I read the scriptures today. But, but you want to get insight into God's mind, this is why we read the word. We want to get insight into the way that he thinks. You want to understand his ways so then you can do what he did. Are you with me? Because if we're going to win souls to Christ, if we're going to be able to touch a generation, if we're going to be able to touch our city, how many know we got to think like Jesus think? We got to walk like Jesus walked. There's no way that you cannot find that unless you're in the word. How are you going to know? How are you going to know what Jesus did if we don't take time to read this Bible? Are, are you with me? And so everything that Jesus did and everything he did as it relates to evangelism and to life, we can find right here in the word of God. It's in the word. And so that's why we 
Study the word. Effective evangelism begins with following in his steps. So you want to learn how to be effective. We talked about we want to be able to touch the lives of people. We want to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We want to be able to uh, help those families that are struggling and those that are addicted to all kinds of various uh, drugs and different things that are out there. We talk about how we want to touch the lives of people. How many know that we cannot do it without the power of God? takes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So then what we're doing is we want to figure out, okay, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus interact with difficult people? How did Jesus react when people talked about him and lied on him? Have anybody ever been lied on before? How did Jesus respond to, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, forgiveness? How did he deal with unforgiveness? What did he talk about? How did he interact with people? You see, that's what we want to do. We want to try to get the the mind of Christ. As we talk about this issue of evangelism, I begin begin to meditate and think, so why is it that evangelism is so hard for some people? And I believe there's there's a number of reasons, but I think one of the foundational reasons is that that we, we fear. How many of you like rejection? Nobody likes rejection, right? I don't want to be told, uh, I don't want to be looked upon as some weird freak talking about Jesus. So what I do is I stay quiet. I don't say anything unless somebody come and talk to me. Then I will tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you study the scripture, it did not work that way. You look at the life of the apostles. You look at the life of Jesus. You look in the book of Acts. They were constantly engaging a generation. They were constantly moving forward. They didn't just sit back and say, I'm going to wait for the fish to come, baby. They were out there. They were engaging the people. They were in those difficult places that sometimes we don't like to go. We don't like to go to certain places. But if we're going to grow as a church and we're going to grow numerically, that means that all of us, we have to have a responsibility to say, you know what? It's my job as a believer and my obligation. Now, I use the word obligation on purpose because how many know the commandment, the Great Commission was not an option. Jesus did not say, if you feel like, go and preach the gospel. He didn't say if you feel good about it or if you're comfortable with it. He says, you go and preach. So that means that he he expects you and I to go and preach. The gospel of the kingdom. And so we want to be obedient and do it God's way. We talk about, oh, we want the fruit. We want the harvest. Everybody want the harvest. But, you know, everybody don't want to do the work that it takes to bring in the harvest. See, everybody want to be Kobe Bryant. But you don't know how many hours Kobe Bryant spent in the gym by himself shooting on all those jump shots. Everybody, oh, I want to be like LeBron James. Well, do you know how much work LeBron James had to put in to become LeBron James? Oh, I want to be like Tiger, whoever, you name it. We love the good. We want the glory, but we don't want the work in order to get the fruits of the glory. We just sometimes, I don't know what it is about Christians, but we get saved and we get lazy. We just, something, I don't know where the spirit came from, but it's almost like we get in the kingdom and we, like, we just like abandon our minds and we don't think and we just kind of think, they're all just supposed to sit here and pray and God just going to make things happen. Baby, you got to get up and fight for what you want. Come on. You just can't sit back and just say, well, you know, I'm looking for a job and I'm just going to sit there. You think the job is going to come knocking on your door? You better get up. You better get the yellow pages. 
You better get on the internet and you better start searching. The Bible says seek and what? You shall what? Find. Knock and the door will be what? That means that we're, we're doing something. I don't know what it is. And as it relates to evangelism, if we're going to grow as a people, we're going to impact the generation of people. You and I got to be serious about engaging the culture. That means that we must do some things on purpose. Purpose. We got to know we want to win souls to Christ. We want to increase our church. We want to grow as a people. I want to increase the kingdom of God. So then we got to be thinking about the kingdom and we have to come up with something that you and I are going to do, not just some temporary. Well, you know, I'm just going to go, you know, uh, witness for a season. Evangelism and sharing your faith is a lifestyle. Some of us never been taught that. Some of us just been kind of taught that evangelism is, is, is just something that the pastor do. That's for the serious people that really, really love God. It's for, for those people to go to school and, and those people that are serious, they're the freaks. Let them go out and we'll just come and we'll just, we'll, just, we'll just get a good word and we'll just throw some money in the offering plate and then we'll just leave and go home. Do you not know that it's God's desire that you and I think on a continuous basis about people who don't know him? That we're always thinking about the loss. That every opportunity that you have, Every person that you meet is an opportunity for Jesus to touch them. You have Jesus on the inside of you, right? Think about it. Every encounter. You know, when Jesus was on walking, he didn't just go around just walking. You know, Jesus walked around and he said, look, everywhere, every place he walked, he thought, you know, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to share, to touch somebody's life. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I mean, treasure. How many know you got treasure on the inside of you? You got, listen to me, you got the kingdom of God living down on the inside of you. Paul said the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. You are not limited. See, what happened is we just need to get a revelation of who we are and we need to begin to walk in that. And say, so, you know what, I'm going here and I'm thinking I'm going to go into this place and the atmosphere is not going to change me. I'm going to change the atmosphere. Hallelujah. I'm going to be here as a witness. I'm going to be here in this place and somebody's life is going to be touched today. I woke up this morning. I'm thinking, Lord, who can I share the gospel with today? Lord, give me an opportunity. How many of you wake up? This, every, how many of you wake up on a daily basis? Lord, give me an opportunity. I want you to pray that for the next 40 days. Say, watch this. Now, trust me, you pray this for the next 40 days. Say, Lord, give me an opportunity to share my faith with somebody today. Lead me, Lord, guide me. You will be amazed how wide your eyes will get. They'll be coming out of the woodwork. Do you know what the problem was? The harvest was always there. We were just not so conscious about it. So God has given us a formula to expand and grow the kingdom. We already know what it is. It's not rocket science. It's that we just got to get up. And do the work of evangelists. Now, now, we may think, well, you know, pastor, that's really hard for me. Uh, I don't like to talk to people too much. Uh, I find it difficult to talk to people. I think people think sometimes evangelism is hard. But, you know, in reality, evangelism and people getting saved happen in the everyday occurrence of life. You're at the grocery store. All of a sudden, you know, you're there and you see somebody and you just start talking to them about the goodness of God and somebody can get saved. You're, on, you're doing an activity. You're at work 
I had an opportunity to share with a lady the other day at work, and I just began to talk to her. And she said, you know, I like the way how you preach about the gospel because you, the way you do it is a little bit different because you don't try to force it, but you convince me. And this is a woman who don't go to church. <laughs> and I'm praying, Lord, use me. I want to be, I mean, because, you know, I don't, listen, how I many know this Christian life is much, much more than just doing the church thing? How I many you can find something else to do on Sunday morning? Come on. I mean, I'm not I'm not in this baby just to be just kind of like because I need something else to do. I'm bored. I got a whole lot of things I can be doing. I'm in this thing because I believe in the power of God. I believe that God can change lives. I believe that this church, every seat in here could be filled. I'm going to preach that until it happens. Well, pastor, when is pastor going to stop preaching on evangelism when I start seeing people do evangelism? I know that's tough. Uh, hallelujah. Somebody say, ouch. Mm-hmm. So then we, we find ourselves right here. Watch this now. The woman at the well. Now, you remember I said that salvation and witnessing is something that you just do. And here the woman at the well. Now, you got to understand something about the Jews and Samaritans. They didn't like each other. When the Jews back I believe around 700 B.C. or 5-something B.C., I, I forget off the top of my head, but God had always said concerning the Jews that if you disobey me, I'm going to basically remove you out of the land. The land, the promised land, the place I gave you is going to vomit you out. You're going to end up, I'm going to put you out. So the Jews got deported to Babylon. And the Samaritans were those Jews that were there in Babylon that, that basically married the pagans. They married some of these people. And they intermingled with them. So the regular Jews would then look at the Samaritans. They called them mixed breed. They weren't really comfortable with them. In fact, they wouldn't even walk on the same soil that Samaritans would walk on. They didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. They will look down upon. And so here comes Jesus now. I got 11 points and then we're going to be done. The first point is that Jesus walks right through Samaria. Now, some of us, he got to ask you, know, what does Samaria represents? Samaria represents the place that you call ungodly. It's the place where people are not singing praise and worship songs. It's the places that people are indulging on all kinds of sin. We don't need to specify. But you know what I'm talking about. You're Samaria. Now, if you sometimes, when you really get, and we like to joke around here, and we say when you get really saved, sometimes when you get really saved, you have a tendency to want to kind of shun certain people because, you know, you know, I've been washed and I don't want to go there. Right? But Jesus says, I'm sure some of the disciples are saying, why do we got to go through Samaria? Why can't we just bypass Samaria? Why, why do we have to go and hang out? I mean, do, do you know what kind of people these are? Jesus, yep, 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 yep. We're going through Samaria. So if you're going to, listen, so we got to understand that if you're going to reach people for Jesus, if you're going to impact them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you got to figure out a way to go to or through your Samaria. Don't avoid it. How many know that, listen, you, we, the Bible says that the righteous are bold as lions. I don't worry about spirits jumping off on me. My spirit going to jump off on them. Hallelujah. 
Come on. I don't worry about that because I'm going to, that's, that's my determination. I'm going right up in Samaria. Where I don't care where, it, I'm going into it because, you see, that's what Jesus did, didn't he? That's why he got so many people upset because you, you go into places, Jesus, you're supposed to be holy. You're supposed to know God. And why are you hanging out with people like her? Do you know this woman's a prostitute that's over here washing your feet? Do you know who that is? Jesus said, sure I do. But I came to call the righteous. And if we're going to call the righteous, how many know you, you got to he, uh, he call the sinners? I'm sorry. He said, I came to call sinners. Now, if we're going to reach sinners, how many know you got to go where sinners are? Uh, I, don't care, I don't know if you realize this, but they don't like come walking through here pretty easily, do they? They're not like bombard. There's not a long line of sinners saying, let me get in. <laughs> Usually on Sunday, they don't want to have much to do with you. So then that means that you got to go and take the fight to them. Now, I say fight, but you know what I mean. Because you're, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. You're dealing with demonic forces that are at work trying to keep people in bondage. Oh, my, I'm, I'm concerned about our nation. Oh, I'm concerned about the direction of our country. Then we need to, you got treasure in earthen vessel. You got an everlasting kingdom if you're part of the kingdom of God. Then go preach the kingdom because at the end, that's the only thing that's going to last. That's the only thing that's going to be left standing is the kingdom of God. So watch this and watch this. So, so first of all, we got to go through our Samaritan. Number two, second point. Jesus did not allow his physical condition, his physical, physical condition to keep him from witnessing. Look at verse number six. The scripture says now in, in uh, John chapter four. Now, Jacob well was there and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. and It was about the sixth hour. Now, he was wearied from his journey. That means anybody know what weary means? That means tired. Now, you would think, now I know sometimes, you know, we go on vacation. That's why I asked y'all that earlier about the vacation thing. It was a setup. You know, sometimes you go on vacation. One of the things you like to do, well, I'm on a vacation. And, you know, sometimes I, I got to confess this. You know, I've been on the plane, you know, sometimes. It's like, you know, I ain't trying to talk to nobody. I just want to be left alone. <laughs> or you go to vacation, you know, and the temptation sometimes is, well, you know, I've been working hard and, I've been serving God in the kingdom, and this is my time for me. How many of you ever like that me time? But how many know your me time is never, ever, ever supposed to supersede your obligation to be ready when the master calls you? You never take a vacation from spending time in his presence. You never take a vacation from spending time in his word. You never take a vacation from an opportunity to share the goodness of God to whoever will hear it. Jesus was weary. You know, he was by the well. He could have easily just sit there and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm tired and I'm just, I'm just going to sit. You know, now he could just sit there and say, okay, I'm just going to just relax. No, you know what he was doing? He was tired, but he was like still looking. And how do you know that Jesus, you hear me say before, Jesus never did anything by accident. So you think that Jesus just happened to just land at that well? Uh-uh. No, 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 Here's the next point. Jesus positioned himself to witness. He put himself in position to share his faith, to have an impact. I was listening to a message by T.D. Jake this morning. It was funny. I was listening. He says, he was talking about, uh, he said that, you know, 
A woman said, well, you know, I want to get married. I want to find me a husband. And, and he said, well, but, 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 you know, but you've been in the house for five years <laughs> and you never come out of the house. You need to put yourself in position. Now, that was just one example. But the point of it is, is that if we're going to be effective in impacting a generation, we got to position ourselves. Jesus positioned himself right there at the well. He says, you know what? Here's, here's what he said. I can see him. You know, I'm tired. But you know what? You know what? I know that. People are going to come here because they get thirsty. They're going to want something to drink. I know that people are going to come to this well, so I'm going to sit right here, and I'm going to wait for my opportunity. And here she comes, the woman of Samaria, coming to get some water. And how many know Jesus was ready for her? The Bible says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Always be prepared. Always be ready. Jesus positioned himself. He said, look, look, I know what's going to take place here. I know what I'm doing. This woman is going to come and I'm going to have the opportunity to impact her. So you, I mean, no, you need to put yourself around people. You need to think strategically. If I'm going to witness, I got to position myself to, to touch people. Well, I want to win people to Christ. Well, come out of the house. Go into Starbucks somewhere. Sit among the people. Go into borders. Right? In other words, put yourself in a position so that God can use you. Lord, I want to be used. How many of us say, Lord, use me, use me. Really? Okay, and how many know God ain't, God does have a shortage on uses sometimes. But, you know, God is ready to use you. But we got to put ourselves in position so that when God calls, God can use us. So I like to go play. Everywhere I go, I always try to figure out places. I don't like to be by myself much. I try to be around people because I know that's my greatest opportunity to impact and change lives. Some of us, now I, now I like my quiet time. There are times when I drive off to the mountains, you know, and I'm seeking God. That's different, you know. But that should not be a way of living. you got to position yourself. Well, I ain't going to my family reunion. I used to say that, and I'm ashamed to say it. I used to say back in the day, I'm, I'm, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I ain't going to my family union. It's a bunch of sinners over there. My wife would tell you that. Because they'd be over there, they'd be over there partying and drinking and doing all the things that I just kind of was taught was the worst things in the world that anybody could ever do. And boy, when I said, they said, are you coming to family union? No. Why not? Because God delivered me from that. God didn't deliver me from sharing with people. God didn't deliver me from engaging people and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so what I did was I started going to the family union. Not only did I start going to the family union, my wife would tell you, I became the chairman and the president for the next one. And then I laid all the rules of how family reunion was going to go. Am I, am I lying about it? I said, look, here are the songs we're going to play. We're going to pray and we're going to have a devotion before. If y'all want to listen to some worldly music, that's fine. But it's going to be good worldly music. I, I don't believe all music is bad. Come on. Y'all, sometimes we get so religious. Well, you know, that's a worldly song. Well, if it's good and it promotes God's word, some things can promote God's word and it may not have God in it, but you know it's good. Me and my wife got married to Luther Vandross here and now. Here and now. I promise to love faithfully. That's what we got married. You know, nothing in there about God in that song. But God is all in that song. You, you follow me. And so I changed the environment. I said, look, I said, we're gonna, if y'all are going to drink, 
drank over there in the woods away from the kids. I set the roof, and some people got mad. But I say, why, why, do, why do I got to say, I'm not going to go? So I just leave them there, and I claim I love Jesus. I say I want to see them go to heaven, you know, and I'm, and I'm preaching it. But I got my own family who, who are there, and I won't even go to the family reunion because, you know, because I'm so holy. Come on. Y'all know we just need to say, Lord, help me. We can't think that way. We need to go into the dark places. No, 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 no. Let me be careful when I say that because some people say, well, Pastor, you're saying engaging. No, I'm not talking about going and engaging. You've got to discern some places you can't go because you know you got issues. Then you, that's between you and God. You need to be on guard with that. But how do we know that we're going to reach sinners? You just got to go where they are. You got to figure out a way to impact them. You got to go. If you love your family, if you love your kids, you love your grandkids, you love, you know, you love people, then go engage them. Don't let them die off while you go to church and praise God and they're sitting out there on their way to hell and nobody's saying anything. Because the Bible says it's appointed on the man to uh, die. Then after death comes judgment. It's coming. So we got to be serious about this thing. So, so Jesus, he positioned himself so that he can, he can witness. He positioned himself with the, for the encounter. Next point. What number am I, am I at? Number four. And Miriam always keep good notes. He conversated with the unlikely. <laughs> you remember Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to that woman. You know, sometimes we formulate in our minds that, you know, we don't like to say it. We know there's certain people we don't talk to. Um, how many know there's a little bit of pride in all of us? Like, you know, we all have already in our minds, we have thought about this, and you got a perfect vision on what your church is supposed to look like. <laughs> right? But it's probably not the same vision that God has. Because in the church of Jesus Christ, there was one scripture, one parable I was studying yesterday where Jesus talked about the servant who had a banquet and he called all his servants and they kept inviting people. Nobody would come. And then Jesus said, the servant said, well, look, here's what you need to go. You need to go to the highways, the byways, the hedges and get the sick, the lame, the poor and maimed and bring them in. My house will be filled. So we got to come to a place where we listen, where we talk with the people that are not like us. They may not have your economical Economical, did I say that right? Economic background. You know what I mean. They may not have had the, you know, just sociological experiences that you've had. But they are a soul and Jesus died for it. Him, he died for her. Think about all, you know, the people in Haiti, he died for every one of them too. Um, can I take it a step further? You know, the people that crashed the Twin Towers in New York? He died for those people, too. Now, if that bothers you, good. Now, I'm not saying that we, you know, I, I agree with them talking about building a mosque on the, the, I don't know if you heard that recently, the, they're talking about building a mosque in the same site where 911 was happening. And I don't agree with that. I think that's insensitive. It shouldn't be done. But if Jesus said to me that he want me to go and witness to a Middle Eastern person, I want to witness to a Middle Eastern person. I want to witness to a Chinese I'm going to witness to his family. I'm going to witness to the poor. I'm going to witness to the guy that's out there hanging out on the street. I'm going to witness to everybody. Everybody is an opportunity. 
And we can't be looking and categorizing people and determining who we're going to share with. We got to be open and say, Lord, whoever you want to use me to witness, I'll do it. The Bible says, whosoever will let him what? Come. Whosoever will. So you got to be willing to talk to the people that nobody else won't. But well, well, what about that? They're not, you know, they, they smell. <laughs> oh, they, they, you know, they are, they got spirits all over them. But cast them out. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, you, you followed me. Now, now, I say all that because I know that what God has taken us to, that it's going to be some of that. I know Michelle is not here, and our outreach ministry, you're going to be hearing more about it. We got two or three different things that's going to be happening here, and I'm going to tell you right now, there are going to be some people coming in and through this place that's, that's not going to be something that you're going to be like, wow. Well, if you're spiritual, you're going to be like, wow, good. But there's going to be some people that's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. And are you going to run? Or are you going to say, look, let me, Lord, use me. Can I have me know the gospel of the kingdom can change a life? The gospel of the kingdom. See, what I love about the gospel is the gospel lifts people. <laughs> the gospel lifts people up from where they are. When we preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so when I look at somebody, I don't just look at where they are. I look at what God want to do in them. And if they're impacted by God and how their life can change. Y'all hearing this? Oh, gosh. Next point. What number are we? Jesus initiated the conversation. Well. I'm not going to share unless they share with me. Can I say this? Let me, let me say this to you. No amount of service that you do for God in the kingdom supersede your responsibility and my responsibility to share the good news of the gospel. Everybody is called to do that. Everybody. I don't care what your ministry is. Every one of us is called to share the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus initiated conversation with her. You think about it. I want you to think about this for a second. What if all the apostles and all the, and all the, the disciples and Jesus just kind of sit back and say, well, I'm just waiting for them to say something to me. And then I talk about, and I talk about the gospel of the kingdom. How many of you think that people would have got saved in the same impact? that we read about would have happened if they just kind of sit back and just say, I'll just wait until they open my eyes. See, there's a spirit of that that's going around today that says, Do you, don't want to offend people. So, you know, you got to be nice and don't say nothing because you don't want to be forcing it down their throat. Listen, I don't have to force it down your throat, but I'm going to open my mouth and tell you. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. You think he was just, you know, Jesus knew where he was going. He said, give me a drink. He already, you know, he had a plan. He saw her coming. He said, okay, I'm going to, this, this is, I'm going to gauge. And he took that that physical thing that she was doing, getting water, transcended it into something that was spiritual. And he preached to her about the gospel of the kingdom. So when he asked her for a drink, he, Jesus wasn't just saying, give me a drink. Jesus was saying, I'm going to show this woman that the thirst that she has, that I can give her, I can quench her thirst. I can give her water that she will never thirst for. See, you know, this is what people need to know. That when you come to a place that you get satisfied with Jesus. You know, he will satisfy you to the point that you will never, ever, ever. Listen, you can be secure in him and you won't find yourself in a place feeling empty inside. 
I can be disappointed about things. I can be disappointed about life, but I'm not. You know, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not empty. Since I gave my life to Jesus, my life is full. I, there's no emptiness in me he, because he said, when you drink this water, you will never thirst. Glory to God. Some of us just ain't drinking the water yet. Mm. Look at the neighbor and say, drink the water. You got, you got a drink. He said, give me a drink. He engaged this woman. So here's what you got to do. You go outside and you say, okay, Lord, here's, here's what you do. Lord, I'm in the grocery store and I see this woman. Something about this situation has caught your eye. How you doing? How many kids you got? Two, three. Oh, good, good. There's some beautiful kids. You know, I, just, I was just thinking how beautiful. You know, the Bible says that children are a gift from God and your children are a precious gift to you. And you think, what do you think parents would be saying if you start talking like that to their kids? What do you think parents would say? They say, thank you. And then you can just start talking about, you know, do, do, you know God, God loves your kids and, you know, you've already introduced God. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're giving her a car, you're inviting her to church, you're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And what are you doing? You just was aware and you were engaging and you did not sit by and just say, I'm going to wait. We need to be a people that says, I'm going to go and I'm going to initiate conversation. Now, you say, well, Pastor, I'm not I'm not uh, comfortable initiating then. We just need to get comfortable initiating. You know, the more you do it, the better off you'll be. You'll fall off the, you know, I remember the first couple of times I witnessed, it was a joke. I'm going to just tell you, right? I mean, I was like, man, I mean, first of all, it was intimidating to me. But, <laughs> but then I fell flat on my face. I couldn't get the scripture right. I mean, I'm saying stuff all out of context, you know, and I'm looking at them. I'm scared, I'm, you know, but, you know, I just kept doing it. And after a while, I just, I don't care. I just start talking to them about the goodness of God. Watch it now. We got to finish. Can I have five, five more minutes? Five more minutes. Then we'll be done. So don't, don't. I see y'all starting. I'm starting to lose you. Five more minutes. Okay. So the next point is that Jesus, two, two more. I'm, I'll give two more points. I'm not going to cover all of them. Jesus had prophetic insight into this lady's life. And it turned her life, her world upside down. Now think about this. This woman is thinking, okay. This guy's over here. He's talking to me. And, okay, that's all fine and good. But then Jesus started talking about her personal life. Well, how did you know that I had five husbands? Because she, you know, she started telling him half-truths. She says, well, I'm not married. But she was really kind of saying it in the spirit of, you know, I don't have nobody. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You've been married five times. Now, how do you know his sister's been married? She's been busy. <laughs> five times. Time. And he said, and the one you got now ain't your husband. And she said, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. Turned her world upside down. And this woman was baffled. You know why? Because the prophetic, you cannot underestimate the prophetic and sharing your faith. That's why we talk about that we need to come. We need to pray before you go witness. You need to pray every day before you leave the house and say, Lord, use me. Lord, give me prophetic wisdom. Give me insight. Because when you start telling people about their personal life that God gave you that revelation about, you think they'll, they'll look at you like, how would you know that? And before you know, they'll be like, gosh, I, you know. Uh, what church you go to? I want to come to that church because y'all talking about stuff. I mean, that God got to be with you because, you know, I, I, I didn't tell nobody that I was going through this. I didn't tell nobody that I had this sickness in my body. I didn't tell nobody of the problems that I was dealing with. How did you know that? Because when you walk with God, when you make a commitment to share your faith, God will give you prophetic wisdom and insight that you'll be able to speak into the lives of people and get revelation. And let me tell you something. They'll be like, oh, my God, 
God got to be with you. <laughs> so we need to pray for the prophetic. And then last, he, she became an evangelist. Look at verse number 39 of chapter 4 of John. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans, watch this, of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Watch this. He told me all that I ever did. She became an evangelist. Now, watch this. She didn't go to seminary. She didn't get the 10 points of how to witness. Jesus said, woman, you got five husbands, blew her mind. She went back telling everybody in the city, oh, you got to come meet this man. You got to come meet this man who told me everything I did. He is a prophet. You need to come. And the Bible said the whole city, many people in the city got saved because the woman testified, he told me everything I ever did. That was her testimony. Well, pastor, I don't, I don't know how to witness. Well, what have God done in your life? Tell him that. Give him your testimony and let God use that to impact the lives of people. Because everybody can say, you know what, here's what God did for me. Let me tell you something right now. You know, I don't know all, I don't know much Bible as I need to know right now. I understand all that. But let me tell you something. Here's what God did in my life. Here's what he did in my life. And I want to share this with you. That's all she did. This woman just, she had five, (laughs) she had five husbands. All right. This woman was, this is a symptom of her unhappiness. To her trying to find something and it wasn't happening. And Jesus come along and prophetically speaks in her life and she becomes an evangelist and she didn't go to seminary. So none of us got an excuse. Well, I don't pass away, you know. Now everybody can say, you know what? I got a testimony. If you know Jesus, you got a testimony. Jesus did something in your life. So you don't have to sit back and say, well, I'm going to wait until I get equipped. <laughs> if you saved, you're equipped. Amen. Every head is bowed. <laughs>